0: Uh, now if you join me on your bulletins or in your bibles I'm going to be reading this morning from Matthew chapter 3 verse 17 through 4:11 Matthew 3:17 And when Jesus was baptized immediately he went up from the water and behold a voice from heaven said This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting forty days and forty nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God... For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. Please pray with me. Jesus, we love you this morning. We thank you for your scripture and the truth that is within it. Pray that as we learn about temptation this morning, that we could be wise to understand the temptations in our own life, that we would be humble to see the ways that uh, we are just susceptible to sin, and that it's always just crouching right there. So be with us this morning as Brian speaks, and uh, bless him as he gives us your word, and uh, bless us today that we could just reflect on what we've learned and understand your gospel better. We love you, Jesus, and pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Okay. All right,
1: good morning, everyone. Want to invite you to have your Bible open, and um, but before we begin our study this morning, I just want to say publicly, um, thank you so much uh, for Todd coming back and visiting us and, and leading us in worship, and um, we can do that for sure. Thank you. Just uh, a, a meaningful friendship in uh, many of our lives, so thank you for that. We are continuing our study on the topic of temptation this morning, and we are going to um, focus our attention on one passage this morning, and that is the temptation of Christ. Sometimes uh, when you study the Bible, and and you study and and you think you understand something, and then you study it more, and then you realize, I I really don't understand this as well as I thought, And then you start studying more, and you have more and more questions. Um, That's kind of what happened to me this week, studying the temptation of Christ. It's a challenging passage, and um, for many reasons. So my goal this morning is to um, help us understand it, but then also be able to apply it to our lives. So at first, there are hurdles, um, because... um, Things like being tempted over um, turning stones into bread. That's not something uh, that most men are tempted with. I I read one guy this week, and he said, um, booze and breasts, yes. That's a temptation. Stones to bread, no, not much of a temptation. So I don't know. That's what one guy said this week. Um, The idea of going up somewhere high and, um, you know, um, being a... Threatening uh, suicide and see if angels can rescue you, that, I just, that's not um, too relatable. The last one, um, the devil offering the nations of the world to me, that's not all that relatable. So what we have to do is we have to, to try to be thoughtful students of the Bible and try to understand what is actually happening here. And so what, one of the ways we do that is by studying the context around the passage, and then that helps us better understand a few things. So this morning, we are going to start with this idea. um, And that is this, that Jesus set his life on a direction of obedience towards the will of the Father. And let me show you where I I find that. If you have your Bible, this is from Matthew chapter 3. And these are the first recorded words of Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew, and chapter 3 verse 15 says this, but Jesus answered him and here's what Jesus says, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness it is fitting for us, talking about John the Baptist and Jesus Christ himself, to fulfill all righteousness, now what does that mean, again that's not even all that helpful, that can be a little bit confusing, and what most uh, commentators and theologians believe is that Jesus is referring to his um, obedience to follow the will of the Father to offer salvation to people. So God has called his only begotten Son to a a way, a path, a way to live his life that would provide salvation to people. And so that is the purpose and here's what we have To think through as as we want to try to be students of the Bible is that God the Father gives Jesus Christ a very specific plan, a a, a purpose for his life. And that plan or that purpose is to offer salvation to people. What's interesting though is in, in that commissioning of Christ by God the Father, these words that are spoken by God are significant and they are identity forming. And here's what is said by God the Father in verse 17. He says this, that this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. So the words that send off Jesus Christ to do his ministry are the words of a loving heavenly father sending him off with the words that you are my beloved son. Those are... Those are powerful, identity-forming words. That you are my beloved son. That was to be the way Jesus approached his ministry. Um, I I don't know why. I had this kind of unique experience when I was um, a teenager. And for some reason, I was over at my friend's house. And um, he was getting ready to leave to go off. If I keep going like this, it's because there's flies flying around in the warm weather this morning. Um, he was getting ready to go off to college. And, um, and for some reason, I was at his house visiting. And it was, a, it was, it was an odd experience. And, and here's what happened. We're, we're standing out in front of his house. And um, his mom is crying. And she's kind of teary. He's an, he was an only son. And the mom gives him a hug goodbye. And, and they embrace. And it's very sweet. And um, the dad goes to say goodbye. And he, he sticks out his hand and goes, good luck, cowboy. Like that, and I was like, "That's kind of odd." Like, like th- those are identity-forming words. Like my dad, my 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 father. I- I'm I'm leaving home for the first time. And I'm I'm starting life. And it's um good luck, cowboy. And I'm not sure what that means, but it it and it, you know, that was a long, long time ago, and that still is a very crystal clear memory for me. And so I, I want us to think for a moment, what we, before we can just jump to temptation and think about our, our own life, we have to understand this in the context. So here's what's happening. Jesus Christ knows why he is here on earth. It is to offer a plan of salvation. It is offer a way to redeem people, to reconcile. God the Father then, says something to shape him, and those words are that you are my beloved son. Those are powerful words. What we need to think through now, just for a moment, into our own lives is what the Apostle Paul writes in Romans, because he says something very similar to us, all right, and I think we have it on the screen here. This is Romans chapter 8, so Jesus Christ is the only begotten son, but salvation means something for us as well. And and the Apostle Paul writes something that hopefully shapes our identity as well. He says this, so you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you have received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own. And here is the language, again, that should connect us to Jesus Christ and what's going on here. We are not only begotten, there's only one only begotten, that's Jesus Christ, but Paul is saying this, that salvation means adoption, that we are now called God's children, and now we call him Abba Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. Who sends out Jesus Christ into the wilderness? Matthew chapter 4 says this, that the Spirit led Jesus. So the Spirit is speaking to Jesus. He's affirming that he is the beloved Son of God. And Paul says almost the same thing for us, that the Holy Spirit joins with our spirit to say that we are God's children. And since we are his children, we are his heirs. In fact, together in Christ, we are heirs of God's glory. But if we are able to share his glory, we must also share his suffering. Where is Christ going? He's going into the wilderness. And so there is a clear connection um, here with what God has called Jesus Christ to do and with how we live our lives. And so what I believe is foundational for us to hear this morning, to understand and apply to our lives is this, is that you are a beloved child of God. That you are a son of of God, that you are a daughter of your Heavenly Father. And that is the purpose of why Jesus Christ came, that you would understand that, that you understand that you are a beloved child of God. (laughs) That is the truth. That That is the truth that we all need to take ownership of in our lives, that we need to think carefully about that 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 is our challenge of the Christian life is learning what that means that you are a beloved child of God now it is much harder than any of us realize to live that out to apply that to our lives because the enemy is real and because the flesh is strong and there are things that want to distract us from who we are Uh, I I read something this week that was meaningful to me, and I want to share it with you. Um, I mentioned uh, last week that I've been reading a few people. And one of them is a guy, um, um, Henry Nowen, is a guy I've been reading this week. Um, uh, Another guy named um, Dr. Russell. Todd, help me on his first name. I'm blanking on it. Do you remember? um, I'm sorry I put you on the spot. I'll get his book. I said that last time. What's that? No, sorry, my fault. I should have. It's irrelevant. But what I want to share with you for just a moment is—is is this? Is that one of the fundamental questions of life? Is the question of who am I? Who am I? And. What I hope and what I want to try to persuade you to believe and to live out is that first and foremost, you are a child of God. Uh, the, the problem is, is that we easily replace that with other things. All right. And so if you'd like to draw pictures, you can draw this on your bulletin. And you can put your name. All right. This is the chronology of me, um, my little timeline of my life. I was born in 1970. Some of you were born before that, and some of you were born after that. I heard a guy uh, share this this week, and he put a date on his death. He's like, ah, I think I'm gonna, maybe I'm gonna die. He put himself like at 85 years old. He died 15 years before he predicted his death. So I'm not going to put my death. So (laughs) some point though, listen, I'm just kidding. I don't know what. Listen, we're here's the point. Somewhere I'm going to die. And some of you here this morning are gonna die before me, and some of you are going to die after me. And forming. And understanding our identity is crucial because life is so short. Life is brief. And as you get older, I know this was told to me when I was young, as you get older, life just gets shorter and shorter and life just flies by. And your spirit inside of you, you feel the same as when you're 17 or 18 or 19 or 20, but your body gets older. And so when we think about who we are, here is... One question that shapes our identity. And, and that is a question is this. My identity is formed around the question of what do I do? What do I do? What is my occupation? What 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 are the things that I can do that create an identity? What are the things that I'm capable of doing that shape my life? I am what I do so I'm just gonna write this right here for a sec if you can some of you are very talented you've accomplished a lot of things you can um, point to your successes you can point to the things you've accomplished And then what happens is as you get older and you're, you're not accomplishing things quite as much as you used to in your prime then you look back and say, I did this. Or what you do that's even worse is, is you look back and you put this on your children. And you're like, but look what my children are accomplishing. Like, I'm, I'm retired, I'm laid up, I don't do much anymore. But my children, they're accomplishing a lot of things. Another thing that forms in our identity is I am what people say about me. Think about this for a second. If people say nice things about you, you feel good inside. If if you are highly respected, you can walk around with a sense of freedom. You you are enjoying life. If people say something hurtful about you, it brings you down. It brings you low. It hurts. We we know this just from, from life. In fact, We could elaborate on this quite a bit, but the truth is this, is that people live their lives, years and decades based on I am what people say about me. That is identity shaping. And if it's not about you, it's about your children or about people you love. Last one, I am what I have. I am what I have. Think for a second, for just a moment, what you have. I have uh, an amazing wife. I have three boys that I love. I'm a part of a church community that I love. I have friends. I have a job. I have extended family. What happens if I lose something that I have? Now, we don't even want to think about these kinds of things, but this stuff happens in life. What happens... If you build your life solely on what I have and that thing is taken from you, that puts you low. We don't ever want to think about things that are hurtful. I've said this before. I I think I'm getting this right. I believe my dad was 25 years old when he died. Okay? We all want to live to 85 or 90. Life is cruel. Life is cruel. We don't all, uh, I mentioned this a little while ago, but Karen's grandparents were married for 75 years. That's what we all want. We all want to live a really long time, have a beautiful marriage, have kids, and, and enjoy life. But we know that that doesn't happen all the time. That is not what all of us get. Look, here's what happens in life. I do something great, I uh, I graduate, I have a great job, I'm making money. Things I do, life is good. When those go away, life goes back down. When people say things about me, life goes up. When people say things that are hurtful about me, life goes down. When I have great things in my life, life goes up. When someone or something takes that away, life goes down and we spend our whole lives fighting we, we spend our whole lives trying to figure out how do we live up here how do we how do we survive how, how do we live our lives consistently above the line by doing things by people saying great things about us and by having things and when those things go down what happens we get dark we get depressed we hurt and we live our whole lives trying to get above this line and we call that world that word survival. That's, that's what we're trying to do. We're just trying to survive life in a good place. And what the devil is trying to do to Jesus, he's trying to get him to not believe that he is the son of God. And the tactic of the enemy is for you to form your whole life, your whole life on one of those. That my life is what I do, my life is about what people think about me and say about me. <clears throat> think about this for a second. At some point, you're, when you die, you stop doing things. You're dead. You're not doing anything anymore. You can't form your identity anymore because you're gone. When you die, people stop talking about you. People will gradually stop talking about you. I am what I have. You can't take anything with you. Think about, think about how tragic this is, that people build their whole lives on this. And we spend our lives fighting to stay above the line and have it be more than just Survival. And that's why we have to understand that when Jesus is being tempted here, he's tr- the enemy is trying to thwart, he's trying to prevent Jesus from accomplishing the will of the Father. What is the will of the Father? Is that you would be adopted into the family of God. That you would be a child of God, that you would be a son of God, that you would be a daughter of your heavenly Father. And so what I want to do just for a few minutes is I just want to look at um, just briefly each of these temptations and show you um, how this fits into our lives and what's kind of happening here. But if I could say one thing that's most important, it's for you to understand this idea that you are a child of God and that the enemy wants to prevent you from believing that. So number one... Is, the, is this, and this is from, let's just read it. This is Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, and Jesus, it says this, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came to him and said, Here are the words, I encourage you to underline your Bible, If you are the Son of God, this is what's going to keep coming up over and over. This is the connecting dot. If you are the Son of God, Command these stones to become loaves of bread. Think about this for a second. I am what I do. Could Jesus Christ command stones to turn into bread? Yes, he could. But he doesn't. So Jesus is not forming his identity on what he can do. He's forming his identity as the Son of God, the begotten Son of God. And God is saying, no Not yet. Now is not the time. You can. Now is not the time for you to form your identity on the things you can do. And here's what Jesus says. Verse 4. But he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. So bread is good. The things you do in your life, those are good things. Your job, your career, your hobbies, the fun things you do, those are good things. But that's not who you are. You shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So question number one, and I'll repeat this. Who am I? The temptation is this, is that God is either my Father or I am what I do. What will you build your life on? God is my Father or my life as I am what I do. Think through, just for a second, implications of God as your Father. What does that mean? Let me give you one implication for you to think about, and that is this. There will be turning points in your life when you will make decisions you don't like. There there will be turning points in your life when you will make decisions you don't like, but you know that God is your Father, And his word requires you make the right decision. Can you look back in your life and say, there have been times where I've made decisions, hard decisions, that I don't like, that I don't want to do, but because I know that God is my loving, heavenly Father, I am going to obey him. I am going to obey his word and I'm going to do what is right. I am going to do what he has called me to do. That begins to shape your life. Listen, this is, why, and I, this is why you can come to church your whole life and, and say things like, it just doesn't make any difference in my life. And the reason why is this. is because every time a hard decision comes in your life and God's word says, here's the way forward, you're like, nah, I'm not going to do that. That's too hard. I'm going to do what I want to do. And so when God is your father, that is more important than the things you do. Again, the same question, who am I? Temptation number two, God is my father, or I am what people say about me. Verse 5 says this, Then the devil took Jesus to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple, this high place, and said to him, "If Again, here's the key phrase, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, and this is where the devil, the Satan, is quoting the Bible. He's a better Bible student than any of us here. He's quoting from Psalms 91. And he says this, He will command His angels concerning you. On their hands, referring to the angels, they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Psalms 91 is promising that God's safety is real. But the devil is presupposing or attempting Jesus to throw himself off this cliff so that they would, the angels would rescue him. <clears throat> the devil's mistake is to confuse the psalmist stumbling, like we all do, so as to fall with Jesus deliberately jumping off. Think about for in your own life for a moment. What power What power do other people's words have over you in your life? For some people, they are crushing. For some people, that is all that matters in life is that people speak well of me. That people think I'm in a good spot. And I can tell you something. Living that way is exhausting. And it leads to legalism. It leads to shame. It leads to a foundation that will crumble and fall. So God is your Father more than what people say or think about you. Number three, who am I? Temptation number three, God is my Father or am I what I have? Verse seven says this, Jesus said to him, again, it is written, um, you shall not put the Lord your God to your test. And then the third temptation, verse 8, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all of these things I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me. All of these things, all things will be given to Christ if, And one of the things we've talked about really just almost from the life of our church is that I am what I have. Whether whether we live in Malibu or finances or all these things that we look to to form our identity, they're dangerously misleading. And they enslave us. They hold on to us and they won't let go. And so Jesus responds... With this, for it it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. And so you can ask yourself, whom are you serving this morning? Are you serving your heavenly father or are you serving the things that you have? And think about that for a second. Things you have, are you serving the things you have? Do you see how backwards that is? That we can buy things, we can have things, whether it's our toys, our cars, our houses, or all the things that are good that God gives us, and they have the power to enslave you. And Jesus says that there is only one person you, you shall worship. There's only one person that shall form your identity, and it is God your Father. And Him alone you shall worship. Him alone you shall serve. Him alone should be the one who shapes your life. Verse 11 says this, then the devil left him and behold the angels came and were ministering to him. One of the things that we know as you read more on the gospels is that the devil does not leave Jesus alone permanently that he comes back. And it's important for us to realize that this morning as we're studying God's word and I'm trying to persuade you to believe and to shape your life that first and foremost you are a child of God and you are willing to think through the implications of that, that you are not one who is easily deceived to believe these things. Jesus perfectly handles this temptation, and we do not. This is a picture, and there are many parallels, and I didn't allude to it this morning and maybe another time, but there are many parallels between this and adam and eve in the garden adam is in a perfect place a beautiful place with eve jesus is alone jesus is hungry and jesus perfectly obeys the will of the father because we don't because we can't and that is the gospel the gospel is this it's good news for hurting people for people who make mistakes for people who are captured by material things, are captured by the things that we have. And this morning is a morning to renew your life, to renew your priorities, to examine your heart, to see what is actually forming your life, what is actually shaping your life. Is it your Heavenly Father? Or is it the things of the world? Let's pray together. Father, I pray your Holy Spirit would speak truth to us this morning. That we would examine our hearts. That we would be honest before you. That there are so many things that can capture our hearts, capture our lives. Father, I pray that we would, above all else, view you as our loving Heavenly Father. And that as you said to your Son, Jesus Christ... My beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Father, I pray that we would would understand and live by faith that you say the same thing to us, that you find us as your good pleasure, not because of the things we do, but because of our faith in Jesus Christ. Father, we are thankful that we have good news, that when we succumb to temptations or we make mistakes, that there is always forgiveness, that there is always a newness of life. Father, I pray we can leave here this morning rejoicing in the good news that you love us and you welcome us with open arms as our fathers does. In Jesus' name, amen.